Again, happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter, everyone. It's good to see you all today. Nice to see a lot of your faces. Good to have you with us today. If you are joining us uh, maybe for the first time or maybe not in in a while, I'm Pastor Paul. It's good to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us here on site and also online. Um, I just want to acknowledge just a couple of quick people. Um, one, we're doing our two services today, uh, and we are not just broadcast. We're not just having a service on site. We are broadcasting and we're doing a live stream. So, would you just do me the service of just acknowledging and thanking our live stream team that are diligently working in the back? Thanks, guys. Heard but not seen is the way I would say that. You know, like when kids are really little, they're supposed to be seen but not heard, but they're heard but they're not seen because they're in the back and we value what you guys are doing. It's good to have you with us this morning. Um, We are going to jump right into uh, what we're going to talk about today. uh, And no surprises, we're talking about Jesus. Uh, We're going to talk about the resurrection. We are going to talk about why the resurrection is significant. Um, If you are like me, Um, in some way. Maybe you have heard this message a thousand times. Um, How do you continue to talk about the resurrection in a way that connects with people um, without it becoming rote? Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we hear the same thing over and over again, and after a while, if we're not careful, the things that are routine become rote. Um, They're common, and after a while, it loses its significance. My hope and my prayer this morning as we go through what we talk about and how we share this morning gives you an opportunity to re-experience the resurrection in a way that touches your heart and blesses you. So we're going to do something a little bit different this morning um, in a few ways, but first what we're going to do is we're going to actually read a portion of the resurrection story um, of Jesus being resurrected, and I'm not going to read it with you listening. We're going to read it together. Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do uh, is to follow along in the slides um, behind me or in front of you, and we're just going to read it together. It's just 12 verses, Luke chapter 24. We're going to read that, and then we're going to open in a word of prayer. So let's do that this morning, beginning in verse 1, Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the others with him who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that we can even read this story. 
And unlike some stories that are really just clever creativity of someone's mind or the figment of someone's imagination, we're reading a history lesson this morning. A narrative that tells the story that you are not dead, you are alive. God, thank you for the humanness in this story. Thank you for the honesty that you showed us through those that loved you and followed you. Thank you for the life that we have through your resurrection power. I just pray over each person here that's here today and those that are listening that you would be honored, edified, and your resurrection power would live through each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Every time I get to verse 12, every time, I almost... I lose my voice a little bit, kind of like a crack, because it's an emotional thing to read that it was only just a few days before that Peter, the one that Jesus said would be the rock that the church would be built on, would deny him three times. And he did publicly three times as Jesus was arrested. And I can't imagine what it was like for him to actually stand there near the cross watching Jesus himself be crucified knowing that he rejected and denied that which he called that though the one he called the son of god the words the one who brings life to all who believe and now when he hears of the resurrection in verse 12 everyone thinks it's nonsense but what does peter do he gets up and he runs to the tomb which by the way was over a mile try doing that in sandals and he sees the strips of linen lying and i just wonder what he really felt in those moments as he went away. And he wondered what had happened. I know on the other side of eternity, we'll be able to ask him. But for now, we just have to look at what's on the paper. So glad that you're with us this morning. Easter Sunday is the day we remember and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A few things I want to mention to you this morning about the resurrection. And I I wanted to be specific about this and be direct so that we understand why we are who we say we are, what Christianity is about. Um, Real quick, there are many world religions. There are many world religions. I'm not going to give you the number because I don't know. But I know that there are some very specific, large world religions. Here's what I want you to know. There's three ways Christianity differs. Three ways Christianity differs from every other world religion this morning. And I just wanted to share them with you briefly. And then we're going to go into a few things and talk about the resurrection today. Number one, Christianity is different from all other world religions because we don't earn our way to God in Christianity. If you are familiar with how Christianity works and what the Bible says about faith, salvation in Christ, you cannot earn your way to God. Your works do not qualify you more or disqualify you from being closer to God. We are all disqualified from God according to sin. According to the sin in our lives, all of us can't earn it. There aren't scales that God holds at some point that says you did more good things than bad things. I'm going to let you in. If you were nicer to your family or your spouse today versus yesterday, you get closer to me. It is not a faith of works. You cannot earn your way to God. Romans, 8, Romans 5, 8 said that it was because we, while God demonstrated his love for us, he did it while we were still sinners. It demonstrates the love of God that we do this not by works, but we do this because of his love that he pursues us. That's the first thing that I want you to know. The second thing I want you to know this morning and how Christianity differs from other world religions is that Christianity is about having a relationship with God. It's not about obeying rules. Too often people look at the church, the Christian church, and they think it's just a rule book. 
The Bible's a rule book. It's just about rules. The Ten Commandments follow these rules. And if you do it, good things happen. If you don't, God zaps you like a bolt of lightning. And they go through their life thinking that Christianity is just about following rules. Can I tell you, the rules are not about what Jesus died for. Jesus did not come to speak to us about a way to live that means just following rules. He came because he was passionately, the Father was passionately desiring for unhindered relationship with you and I. He came because there's an opportunity for you and I to know God here on this side of eternity, to begin a real relationship with God on this side of eternity, and to walk through this life knowing the one who breathed us life in his very image. That's different than every other world religion. Yes, are there Ten Commandments? Sure. Are there laws or rules? Yes, they don't save us. Let me ask you a question if you're married, especially if you're married, or if you're a child and you live under the authority of a home, but especially if you're married. If you go home today and your, your husband or your wife just says, you know, I just really appreciate you know, how you always do these things for me and you're so kind and you, know, you never step out on me and you're faithful you know, and I don't have to worry about you checking out other men or women or blah, blah, blah. And your response is, well, I, I made a covenant and you know, I'm obligated to do that. So every day, that's what I do. And I'm thankful to know that I follow the law because this is what we put down on a piece of paper that I'm not allowed to do this. How is that going to come across to your spouse? Oh, your spouse is going to say, step back. What? The only reason you're not doing these things is because you you said something and it's on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? Where is the relationship? No, I don't do those things not because I made a vow. Sure, I made a vow not to do those things. But we don't do those things because we want to nurture what? The relationship. It's out of a deep relationship that causes us to not want to do things to offend those we love. Does that make sense? That's what Christianity is about. The laws don't bring us closer to God. It is the relationship that he emphasizes for us to get closer to him. And as a result of that deepening relationship, we choose not to do things that offend God. We choose not to do things that hurt the heart of God. That's different from all other world religions. And the last difference, I love this one. We're the only faith that can claim an empty tomb. That's it. We're the only faith that can claim an empty tomb. Three days after his death, Jesus rose from the dead. We believe it. It is absolutely what we believe. We see it. Scripture talks about it. And we see history that continues to reinforce that. You cannot go to any other world religion. You cannot speak to others that that practice or believe other world religions and hear the same message. How do I know? Let's look at some of the biggest ones. Buddha, his body was cremated in India. He died. He was cremated. The leader of Islam, Muhammad, the greatest prophet that led Islam, his body is buried at the southeast corner of the Mosque of the Prophet in Medina, South uh, Saudi Arabia. You can go there. He was dead and he was buried there. Scientology's L. Ron Hubbard. Some of you know Scientology's L. Ron Hubbard with the Dianetics book, right? He was cremated and his remains were scattered across the Pacific Ocean. Where is he? Dead. Hinduism, okay? Though it has no official founder, Hinduism considered to be many, by many like the world's oldest religion, people believe in some ways, though I don't believe that's true because we have an Old Testament. Hinduism, though it has no official founder, developed a belief system that the scribes and the writers have said just always existed. So they just kind of put them together and made them one big idea of thoughts for you to follow. The thing is, all the scribes and the teachers that said it all existed, they're all dead. Jesus' body was never found. You know what they did find? Grave clothes. You know what they found? They found the things that he was wrapped in, taken off, 
neatly folded, placed in a grave. You know what Romans says when Paul talks about this? I mean, sorry, in 1 Corinthians when Paul talks about this, he says, Jesus died. He raised from the dead three days later. He appeared to Mary. He appeared to his brother. He appeared to the 12 or the disciples. That's the general name for the disciples. It says over the course of 40 days, he appeared to over 500 people. And all of those people that were scared mindless before when he was arrested, convicted, and tried and hung on a cross, after he rose from the dead, after he said, go into the upper room and wait to receive the power that comes from the Holy Spirit empowering you, after he left this earth, ascended, and the Holy Spirit came, all of them turned the world upside down and gave their lives for the work of Christ. All of them turned their life. Every single one of them died a martyr's death except for John. They all laid their lives down. Why? Why? For a hoax? No, because they saw him. Because they spoke with him. Or as Thomas said, unless I see him face to face, unless I put my hands in the nail prints, unless I touch his side, I will not believe. And when God comes across, comes into the room and Jesus appears before Thomas, he knows exactly what Thomas was thinking. And he said, doubting Thomas, basically, paraphrasing that, touch my arms, touch my hands, touch my side. And Thomas looks at him and says, my Lord and my God. Thomas gives his life for Jesus, dies in the nation of India years later, with a spear that's thrown through him for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because he saw the risen Savior. I'm sharing this with you this morning because it's important for us to believe. You're not just here this morning hearing a message about God, hearing a message about Jesus because we're one religion and all religions point to God. No, Jesus Christ is the only way to God. That is the absolute truth. Why? Because there is an empty tomb. There is an empty tomb. I've heard people say, that's so, that's so alienating to other faiths. You're going to offend people when you say that. Every world religion believes the same thing, that their way is the right way, church, but they don't have an empty tomb. Think about that. And I'm not here to debate this this morning. I'm just saying, this is where we're starting. This is what we're talking about this morning, that there is power through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of the resurrection, we have what we sang in the last, last song. What was the last song's message? Our living what? Hope. We have living hope. First Peter 1, 3 through 4 says it this way. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The message, which is a paraphrase of this passage, says it this way, and I love this. Look at this. He says, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. I love that. What is he talking about? He's talking about everything to live for today begins by putting our faith in Christ and experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that opportunity? As I think about that and I look about it over the years, I think, well, people have put their faith in Christ and they they don't walk in resurrection power. They put their faith in Christ and they claim that they're saved because the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation isn't a matter of our works. It's a matter of our faith in Christ. Why is it that we can declare salvation through our faith, walk in that salvation, but not walk in life, in resurrection power? Why does it feel like we can be saved, but so thankful we just got in because our life is just horrible all the time? Why does it seem that that's the case many times? This is what I want you to hear this morning, and we're going to illustrate it in a little bit of a different way this morning. If you're looking to experience the resurrection of Christ, the power of Christ, know this. We experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ when choosing to follow him becomes our lifestyle, not just a life event. If you want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, then you need to choose. I need to choose to follow him, not for a moment, but for my lifetime. My decisions in my life that I make have to be beyond the moment I choose to follow Christ. In that moment, he welcomes us, he saves us, but experiencing that resurrection power is an ongoing thing. It's not a once and done. If we're looking to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we have to choose to follow him and make it a lifestyle choice, not just a life event. I thought about the best way for us to illustrate that And over the last number of weeks, we were talking about this as our staff. And especially around Easter, I think one of the best ways we can do that is to give a real practical example of what this could look like. So it's not just me talking about it, but maybe it's just coming through the the voice or the story of someone else. And over the course of a few weeks, as we talked about it, uh, we made the decision that we would share a testimony and we would have someone come and they would share a little bit of their story. Uh, So some of you have met... Uh, Trish Clapper. Trish plays on our worship team. She's also one of our staff members at church. And I asked her if she'd be willing to come on Easter Sunday and share a portion of her story. So if you would do me a huge favor and welcome Trish as she comes to the stage. Good morning. Hello. Hi. (laughs) I don't know if everybody knows you, but this is Trish. Say hi, Trish. Hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> you and your husband, Daniel, have been here at Parter Bridge for about how long? Um, Uh-oh. Jesus was calling. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I don't know. It's probably like two, almost two years. Two years? Yeah. Okay. Less than. Yeah. We've, we've known Trish for just about two years. In that time, we've had, it's like a, like a ramp up and getting to know you. You know, you came and... You know, you started to get to know us a little bit, and then you took some some steps, which we're going to talk about, to help us build some relationship. And now you're working at the church, and we're really blessed to have you a part of our church. Um, a couple things I want to talk about this morning, because we've spent a number of weeks talking through this. Um, the whole concept I was talking about, that experiencing the resurrection power of Christ, uh, happens when we choose to follow him as a lifestyle and not a life event. And uh, when we were talking about how we would present this on Easter Sunday, it seemed to really grip your heart. And I just was wondering if you could take a few minutes and just share with everyone here why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So some background facts about me first, some surface-level facts. Uh, I grew up in uh, a Christian home. My parents are Christians. We we went to church growing up. in the summers, when, starting when I was like in eighth grade, I went to a Christian camp uh, every summer. It was like a week-long thing. 
Um, and then in college, I got really involved with um, my college church, Alliance Christian Fellowship at Penn State. Um, and uh, so those are some surface facts about me. But um, underneath the surface, um, starting from a pretty young age, I started to struggle with some serious mental health problems. Um, there are probably some like internal and external factors at play, but I struggled a lot. I, uh, I had a lot of feelings of not being enough, not being worthy, um, not being lovable. I was so sad, so melancholy, so lonely. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I, I definitely believed in God, but I don't think I really knew him. Um, and so I spent a lot of time praying to a God I didn't really, I wasn't really sure I believed in. Um, but my prayers were more like uh, questions. Why? Why'd you make me like this? Why am I so sad? Why am I alive? Um, and I prayed a lot to God about why am I alive? And, and could you just, if you made me, right, could you take me away? Because this was so much pain going on um, in my heart and in my life. Um, and so these mental health struggles that I, I had um, spiraled into a number of pretty negative behaviors starting at a young age. Um, primarily for me, it was self-harm. Uh, probably beginning when I was 12, uh, I started cutting um, it all, just, just to cope with all these feelings that I had. Um, it also led to me lying a lot to my parents and really dishonoring them, not just with my mouth, but with my heart. Um, and eventually it led to, led to me having physical relationships outside of marriage um, as another negative behavior for me coping with all of these big feelings that I had. Um, and so that's, that's where I came from. That's who I was before I met Jesus. First off, thank you for being willing to share. I know that it doesn't come easy for people to have that level of transparency and vulnerability, but I know that we've talked through this, and I know that you're willing to share. So thank you for being that open. Um, you have talked to me a number of times about decisions. As I said earlier about the resurrection power of Christ, how it's not a life event, but it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about four different decisions just choices that you've made over your life at this point. Um, yeah. Can you give us an idea of what those decisions were and just help us understand how making those choices have put you and moved you in a different direction? Yeah. Yeah, so um, four different decisions I made over the course of the past nine years. Um, at 15, I decided to accept Jesus as my Savior. Um, and so at 15, it was the summer I... Um, my parents had just found out I was self-harming. And it was a really tough time for me, <laughs> but I'm sure it was really hard on them too. And so I was preparing to go to this uh, summer camp, this church camp uh, that I'd been going to for a couple years, right? Um, and I remember praying, um, if God was real, I needed to know that he was real, and I needed to know that he saw me right where I was. Um, and so over that week at camp, at, at one point there was a song that played. Um, I, I'm an emo kid at heart, so I love rock music. Uh, I love alt rock. Um, Hang on. Just for all of us old people, you're an emo kid at heart. means what? <laughs> the young kids know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, but yeah, we're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. What is I'm an emo kid just at like, heart Just like, oh gosh. <laughs> Paul does this to me every, every week. He's like, what does that mean? Um, just like somebody who's very sad, very emotional, um, 
Yeah, I like uh, I wore a lot of black when I was younger. Uh, Clearly, not the case anymore. So like a heavy vibe. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway. anyways, anyways, I was at this camp, and at one point, um, we're having a time of prayer, uh, and they were just playing some background music, stuff that teenagers like, right? And so this rock song came on. It was called Come Home by Relentless Flood, and I'm not going to read all these lyrics, um, but I am going to read just a couple that says... Um, this, this whole song was written from the perspective of God talking to us. And uh, it said, I can see the scars haunting you. Don't you know that they're scars that I bear too? Come home. My arms are open wide. It's love you can't deny. You will never be alone if you come home. So at 15, I heard those words, and it spoke straight to my heart. Those, that was what I needed to hear, that God was real and that he saw me where I was. Um, and so that was it for me. I said, okay, Jesus, you're my savior. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. how it was for me, too. <laughs> Talk to us about the next decision. So I accepted Jesus as my savior, but um, I really quickly uh, got distracted by other things in my life, particularly a boyfriend. Um, it was really an unhealthy relationship. Um, it spiraled really quickly into a physical, sexual relationship. Um, and mind you, I was a teenager at the time, um, and it was, it was just not good. And so many people in my life were advising me to break up with this guy. My parents didn't like him. Uh, none of my friends liked him. Other trusted adults in my life said, you need to break up with this boy. Um, but I insisted that I knew the right way and that I can make this work. Uh, and I knew better than all of them. Uh, and so I prayed a lot to God about this guy. I was like, God, you can do all things. You can help me fix this relationship, make it work. I knew it wasn't right. It wasn't holy. It wasn't good, but I wanted to fix it. I wanted to make it better. Um, and so one time, I remember I was praying to God about how to fix this relationship. And uh, I just opened up the Bible on a whim. Um, this is a, a teen life study Bible. Um, it's an NLT. Uh, I got this when I was a teenager. And one of the features that I like about this is that uh, it has... Every once in a while, it's got, like, a name of a hypothetical teenager in a passage um, and how this, these Bible verses related to whatever struggle they were going through, whether it was, like, peer pressure or something else. Um, and so I remember opening up my Bible to 1 John, and I'm just going to read uh, three verses for you, Verse John 8 through 10. And it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we have called God a liar and showed his word has no place in our hearts. So I open up to this, um, and lo and behold, uh, whose name is in here but Trish? Can, front row, can you see that? My name. <laughs> My name was in here, and it was a story about a girl who was disrespectful to her parents and who was having a sexual relationship with her boyfriend. And I'm not going to read this whole thing to you, but the, this last paragraph says, uh, from this Trish, not me, 
I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend. Our physical relationship made starting over impossible. The breakup hurt a lot, but underneath the pain, something felt very good, very right. I was no longer lying to myself or to God. A new, clear conscience is helping me through the pain of change. I read this at probably 17. And I closed this book, and I set it aside, and I didn't look at it again for months. Because God answered my prayers. I just didn't, I didn't like the answer. Um, so 18, I graduated high school. I went to college. Um, and this is where decision number two comes in. I, I took pursuing God seriously going to college. I knew I needed Christian friends. I needed a good church, godly relationships. Um, and so God gave me all of those things in abundance. He answered all of those prayers. Uh, but he kept bringing up the same steps of obedience that he had been telling me for years at this point. I needed to break up with that guy. And so at 18, I made the decision to obey him. I broke up with a boyfriend, and I got baptized that same year. Um, yeah. It's an amazing story. Um, and the one thing that when you've told me this story a couple times, <clears throat> your first decision was to follow Christ at a Bible school. Actually, I think you told me it was a horse camp, mm-hmm. right? It was a Christian horse camp. A Christian horse camp. Learn about Jesus. What is a Christian horses. horse camp? You ride and you're like, amen? Like, I don't know what that hallelujah. means. Hallelujah. Okay, yeah. hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, giddy up. Somebody okay. do that with it. So, like, so you're, at a, you're at a Christian horse camp mm-hmm. giving your life to Christ. And the guy that you start dating also is at that camp. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting how when you make a decision to move closer to God, the enemy's there in that moment to try to do something to distract you and go in a different direction. That's exactly what I heard when I heard your story. Yeah. But you went through this time, God speaks to you again, um, and then you're in college, and you make a decision to break up with this guy and move in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about your third decision? Yeah, so um, after this breakup, I experienced so much exponential spiritual growth because I was finally right with God and, and um, I started seeing some real life change. So I, I moved up pretty quickly um, in the ranks of my little college church. It was a, a student church by the students, for the students. Um, so I became a worship leader. I was leading a Bible study. Um, but I was still struggling with a lot of the same mental health problems that I had been going through um, up until this point that was causing a lot of these like negative behaviors. Um, so I was probably 20, um, and I had been making some choices and living some with, with some behaviors that were really compromising my leadership. Our standard at my college church for leadership was above reproach. That's a biblical phrase, uh, to live above reproach. That was the standard for us. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't meeting it. Um, so my college pastor and his wife sat me down and they took me off of leadership. Um, and it really hurt me at the time, but they did it with so much love. Um, and they, they brought to me a a plan of restoration. Uh, you know, they said, we're taking you off of leadership, not because you're bad or evil or a sinner or whatever, but because you need help to walk through this season. Um, and so at the time, I knew other friends who had been taken off of leadership and didn't follow through with being restored. They just left. They were gone. Um, and yeah, I knew there were lots of kids that did that. We were at Penn State. It was a party school. It was so easy to just walk away at that point. Um, 
but I had a lot of encouragement, a lot of um, people in my life holding me accountable. And so I made the decision to walk through that season of um, teaching and humility and restoration. And eventually they brought me back onto leadership. When you told me this part of your story, and I think many of us can relate to this, nobody likes to submit themselves to accountability or discipline. No one likes that. I mean, I I don't know anybody that willfully just says, please choose me. I want to be disciplined. Um, I mean, maybe some of you are here. Talk to me. I want to get to your autograph because it's not, not a common thing. But in the church, especially like in the other two decisions, you were choosing Christ. You were choosing to let go of something in this situation, like your godly choice to experience more of Jesus was to stay. And that's really powerful when you think about that. It wasn't to do this next big thing. God wasn't calling you into a different direction. You know, and I say that a little tongue-in-cheek because people get called to go different places when they don't want to submit to something. God was speaking to you saying, the key to something better for you is to sit under what they're doing and to be loved by them and to accept it. And I'm sure that didn't feel good in the beginning. It probably hurt your heart, yeah. right? Felt a little embarrassing maybe right. or a little humiliating, yeah. but your godly choice here was to stay. Yeah. And that was really important. So that's your third decision. What's your fourth? Um, yeah. So moving forward in my life at 22, um, I graduated college. I got married and I moved across the state all in one weekend. (laughs) Um, So it was a lot of life change for me all at once. Um, So I took a year off of doing stuff. Like I wasn't going to find a job right away. I just needed to adjust to the change in my life. Um, And so at this point, I, uh, you know, I'm really prideful. You heard that a little bit in my story earlier. I knew better than other people. Um, And so I still have a lot of pride in my heart. Um, and so I had big plans for myself, lots of dreams, lots of ideas. I like power. I like leadership. I like status, whatever. That, that's like the flesh in me that likes those things. Um, but that year that I took off from doing stuff, God was really speaking to me about what it means to be like Jesus. And one of the times that he, I think the only time he describes his heart in scripture is that it's gentle and lowly or, or humble in heart. Um, and so God was really speaking to me about what that means during that year. Um, and so I made a series of choices that led me to a missions trip in Kentucky, um, with Christ in action and some lovely people in our church made some decisions to have a conversation with, um, pastor Rob, and then eventually interviewed here to, uh, join on staff. And none of these plans were my plans, but I was just, uh, through that season, um, God was asking me a lot, am I willing to die to myself and live for Christ? Um, And eventually I I chose, yes, I'm willing to die to my plans and submit to whatever your plans are. And so that's how I ended up what I'm doing today. Mm. That's, That's awesome. I mean, making a decision to follow Christ taking a U-turn when you made some really bad decisions and walking away from things, right? And your third decision was to submit to discipline and let the pastors over you help direct you in a healthier way. A lot of maturity to do that. And the fourth one, which was the best one, was choosing to come work here. Um, Right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You you missed that part. I have it written down. Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know what's interesting about, maybe you can talk about this just for a minute, is... um, where you are today 
versus where you thought you would be when you were 12, 13, 14 years old? How does it differ? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really noticed, as we've been talking through this, I, I noticed two big um, changes in my life that um, I, I can observe and feel. Um, I have a spiritual change and then some tangible change because I'm like a touch-see-feel person, so I like to see you know, what's right in front of me. Um, but so some spiritual change in my life. You know, you heard my story. I was so sad. Um, so much of my identity was in my past, my performance, what I did wrong. That's, I carried that. That's who I was. Um, but Romans 6.6, 6, I love this verse. Uh, it says that our old self was crucified with Jesus. And now, you know, you can read over that, but what does that mean? The old, for me, it means that the old Trish is dead. She's not there anymore. She's not the new creation that, that God has given me. And so that's a, really the spiritual change that I experienced in my life. God gave me a new identity. I'm a new creation. I don't have to carry that old person around with me anymore. She's not who I am today. Um, yeah, it just it makes me like want to sob when I think about it too hard. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know if any of you like have that old thing that you've done that you're just wearing, but God gives us new life um, and makes us new and frees us from that stuff. So that's my, my spiritual change that I've observed in my life. I'm so much freer now. Um, but then some tangible changes, right? I'm working here, which is one thing. That's not the work that I imagined doing for myself. Um, but it's so much better than I could have imagined. It's so fun working in a church. Everything's new or new every week. It's like such a joy. Uh, it's been so much of a joy to me. Um, it's so different from what I imagined my life would be like, but so much more fun. And then, um, this is a really tangible change that I wanted to share. My relationship, um, I, you know, I was hoping for something totally different. I was hoping for a different person. I had really different expectations for the things I wanted. Um, but God has given me something totally different than the things that I was hoping for and that I was praying for. Um, so my husband, Daniel, he's in the back in the sound booth. He's the handsome guy back there. Not that Trent's not handsome, but <laughs> uh, I only have eyes for Daniel. Um, he is not my type. He's not what I was expecting at Wait, all. What? But, but what? he, no, no, no. Like as a blanket statement, like, you know, that your type of person sometimes, for me at least, it was not good for me. Um, but Daniel is so different than everything I could have hoped or imagined for. And he's so much better in every way. All the things that I wanted, that I thought that I wanted, God gave me someone who exceeded every expectation, was better than every want I had. Yeah, I'll clap for Daniel. That's my guy. There is a mic back there, so he could say, my name is Daniel, and I approve this message. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I know he won't because he's very kind and humble. Um, (laughs) Trish, your story is so powerful, and I know we just scratched the surface of it. Um, Just talking to the people that are here today, Mm -hmm. is there anything else that, that you think would be relevant for them to hear about your story on Easter Sunday about the power of Christ and the resurrection? Mm -hmm. 
I just have one um, takeaway that I want to leave you with this morning, uh, that God has so much more in store for you. And so I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord or if you even walk with Jesus at all, but I do know that he has more for you if you're willing to make a lifestyle of following him. If you've been walking with Jesus for years, God still has more for you. And so I really encourage you to keep making that daily decision to follow God, to honor him, um, and to not lose sight of both receiving um, the good gifts of God, but also giving them away. Um, if you're a Christian, but like me in a lot of my seasons, if you're struggling to obey what God is calling you to, um, I, I want to say to you too, God has more in store for you. He wants to take you deeper, but you have to be willing to make the choice to follow him. Um, if you're not a believer here today, this morning, if you haven't ever made that decision to follow Jesus, if you identify with my struggle, with my story, with my sorrow and my brokenness, God has more for you. He wants so much more for you than what you think you have for your life. But you have to be willing to make that decision and follow Jesus. And lastly, uh, just to, to the person who, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you're not following him, but you say to yourself, I can't relate to you. You're a little too screwed up, a little too broken. Um, if, you, if you're good without Jesus, I just want to challenge you. Um, I thought the things that I had and I wanted were good. But the goodness that God has shown me, the things that he's given me through following him, are so much better. They're infinitely better than the things that I wanted for myself. And I believe that's true for you this morning, if that's you and that's where you are. So I just want to challenge you that God has more for you, and it's better. Yeah, God has more for you. And if you're still breathing here this morning, he's not done yet. Thank you so much for sharing your story this morning. invite our worship team to come up. We're going to uh, close in just a few minutes. And uh, Trish basically summarized what I would say to anyone that's here, because I know that we come through the doors of our church and you may be in one of those three categories. You know, you might be on fire for God. You might be trying to still work it out one day at a time, or maybe you'd only really know what you believe. Um, in any one of those situations, the truth of the matter is the gospel is here for everyone. The good news doesn't apply to some and not apply to others. But, and there is a but that associate that comes with this, making a decision to follow Christ is not just an event. Yes, the thief on the cross made a decision to follow Jesus in the moment when he said, remember me when, I, when you come into your kingdom. And he couldn't follow him because he was on a cross, but he made a decision to say, I know who Jesus is, I believe that you're the son of God. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. But the scriptures are very clear. It's not our works that save us. It's the faith that we put in Christ. And because of our faith, we do live differently. So there's an event that's made, a decision, I'm sorry, that's made during an event. But as Trish just shared, there is a process. There are decisions that we will make in our lives. And what we choose in our life helps dictate the consequences and the results. So if you're looking to understand and to experience the power of the resurrection in your life, the first step is to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make a decision to follow him. And then every step after that, 
that you make determines whether you get closer to God or further away from him. That's just the way it is. We're going to take a few moments and the worship team is going to sing this song. And I'm not asking you to do anything yet just at this moment, but I am asking you to take a few moments and just reflect on where you are. Your story is your story. Trisha's story is Trisha's story. But here's what I know. The words of men or humans don't really impact us because when we speak, we're the only ones that speak. But when God speaks through his spirit to our hearts, we can be changed. So if you would take a few moments, just bow your heads and just reflect as the team begins singing this song. You can join in worship if you'd like to at some point. You can stand if you'd like to. But I just want to encourage you as they sing this song to ask yourself, where are you right now in your relationship with God? If you have a relationship, and how could you do things differently? What is he asking you to do today? The song they're going to sing is an old song. It's called Blessed Assurance. It was written by a woman named Fanny Crosby. She lost her eyesight at a young age. A young girl losing her eyesight, spent all of her life blind, penned hundreds of songs. Her faith was strong, and though she physically couldn't see, she clearly saw her risen Savior. And there's something powerful about this song, because what I see in this song is not a picture of someone who looked at her circumstances to determine her joy. She looked at the cross, and she looked at the empty tomb to determine what joy really looked like. And that joy is wrapped up in a declaration that you can praise God in all things and make that the song of your life. So Jesus, we come before you this morning and I just pray as the team sings this song that we would all just take some time to reflect on where we are, if we've made a decision to follow Christ or if we need to make that decision today. May our life song today, may our life song be a representation of what it means to follow you and may you fill us today with your life.